0: There is a story I remember my sister was forbidden from going to see it. She was 13 and she really wanted to see it. My parents were going out of town for the night. My brother who was older was in charge. My parents were like, you cannot see Ferris Bueller's day off. You are not old enough. Inappropriate content. Mm -hmm. Um, We were, we were Mennonites, BT dubs. So, I mean, they were maybe a little (laughs) bit more strict than other parents. Anyway, my sister goes to see it with my brother while my parents are gone, and I just remember she got grounded. It was mm. a big deal, and I thought, what is this Ferris Bueller's day off? what could What could possibly be contained in this powerful <laughs> um, <laughs> like intoxicating movie?" Uh, and so then later, of course, then later, I watched it, and in my mind, it was always, "Oh, it was a great movie. I like that movie." The reason I picked it though, was I rewatched it a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and it was better than I remembered. And in fact, I think it's sort of a perfect movie. And so I'm just kind of having a renaissance with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, and just loving it anew.
1: Welcome back to Open Form. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Ferris Bueller is sick. At least he's convinced his parents that he's sick and should stay home from school. His principal, Ed Rooney, knows something is up and is determined to not let Ferris get away with his shenanigans. But with his friend Cameron and girlfriend Sloane in tow, Ferris sets out to outwit Rooney, his parents, and the whole city of Chicago for the most epic skip day ever. This week's film is Ferris Bueller's Day Off and it was chosen by Rachel Yoder, author of Night Bitch, which is long listed for the Penn Hemingway De- Award for Debut Fiction. Okay, yeah, I, I realized when you chose this and I was sitting down to watch and I started watching, and I was like, I've never actually seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off all the right? way <laughs> right? Right? Pro-
0: have you seen clips from it? Yeah. It like it's, just,
1: it's one of those movies that's so in the ether in the, you Bueller Bueller,
0: exactly. Like, yeah, it's like
1: no. I feel like I've seen this, right? Like I know <laughs> right. what this movie is, and then I watched it, and it's just like, oh, I have never actually seen this. And then I, I assumed that I knew what the movie was because right. like it's just sort of like the way that it's entered into our cultural imagination. I and what was, did
0: you think it was before you actually watched it? It's just this
1: goofball like taking skip in a day of school, and sure, yeah. Like, Hey, let's see what kind of adventures he gets into. This has so much more gravitas than
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. It has Cameron. Yeah. It has Cameron yeah. and it has and it has senior year. Yeah. And it has impending adulthood yeah. as, as acted out by the parents. And yeah, it's it, it right, it it's um deceptive because you yeah, you think yeah. it's just gonna be like. Derris feeler being hilarious. And it is. It
1: is definitely. Yeah. But like he has that moment where he's like, I just wanted Cameron to have this this great day. He's thinking about his future and how they're not going to be like, they're not going to see each other past like the summer. They're going off to school like this. (laughs) And it's like, oh, there's like a real emotion in this.
0: (laughs) There's a real emotion. And it takes you back. It took me back to my own high school days of I mean, those were really big things that, that you could see coming yeah. when you were 17 or 18, right? That, And he he has this sort of wisdom where he is thinking ahead and he's thinking about, you know, I'm going to go to college and Sloan's still in high school and mm-hmm. I, w- I really would marry her, but we have this year to get through where it'll probably fall apart. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there, there's actually this, big melancholy um, mood under underneath everything yeah. which
1: and I is, think it what it speaks to is sort of like the way in which we don't attribute these sorts of big thoughts to teenagers right like they're just like they're moody they're moving through life they're being told what to do they're rebelling like whatever but they're being hit with like true emotion and like true emotional wherewithal to like Bear all of that and think about like on that precipice, like what does my life look like after this?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that is something that teenagers are gifted with is this sort of clarity of sight that then we lose as we age, where they can see, they can see the way that adults are functioning and how messed up it is with utter clarity yeah. Um, and the adults are like out of t- you know, have grown out of touch with it. Yeah. And I think that's the genius of John Hughes. And this, I, I consider this to be his most genius movie, mm-hmm. but that's something with, with which he's engaged in so many of his movies, yeah. you know, with 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club. And um, he gives teenagers a humanity, which I think since his era, since the John Hughes era, we've sort of lost, um, like who is making really, uh, really kind of, uh, sophisticated teenage movies now? I don't, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I think the closest thing that we have now is euphoria. And it's like, that's just scary to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that yet. I need to watch that.
1: I watched the first season, couldn't like get up for the second season because I it felt very old watching it. Where I'm just like, your parents need to step in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's two. Why aren't there any adults around? <laughs>
1: which was which was one reaction that i was having while watching ferris Bueller because it's like it is this it's sort of a fantasy right like you get to skip this day go traipse around the city and so it's just like yeah this was they had no access to this like if i was i i could not get out of school were it not like for an illness that would have sent me to the hospital. That was the only <laughs> way my mom was allowing me to stay home from school. So there's like this whole fantastical element to me to it where I'm just like, I can't relate to
0: this. Yeah. I mean, well, Ferris is he's an untouchable character. Yeah. You know, he is the golden boy. His parents love love him to a you know ridiculous Mm -hmm. um degree ridiculous and unbelievable degree and I love how absurd it is at the beginning you know when he's acting sick yeah it's just completely over the top which then allows the whole rest of the movie um to spool out from there because he is this sort of untouchable unbelievable character who makes things happen for the people in his wake, for the people he's bringing along. Um, And it's just, yeah, it is unbelievable. But I think something else I really liked um, when I was little and something I liked about John Hughes is that he's a Chicago guy, you know, Mm -hmm. like he bases his movies in Chicago. And I was like, Oh this is a movie for us, for us Midwesterners, you know, like it's not New York, it's not LA. It felt very like regional and local in a way that other movies didn't. Um, So just as a Midwesterner watching it too, it had that appeal. Can we please get the hell out of here? This place gives me the creeps. Why don't you tell me to come to it?
1: Hello, may I help you? you can sure as hell try. Hi, I'm Abe Froman. Party of three for 12. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is there a problem? You're Abe Froman. That's right, I'm Abe Froman. The sausage king of Chicago. Yeah, that's me. The ability to find that sort of representation with respect to place when like, you know, films, just like New York and LA are their muses, right? Like, <laughs> right, muses, yeah. right? like and the rest of us feel very left out <laughs> unless they're coming <laughs> right. to like shit on us. Barry. <laughs> like,
0: exactly. <laughs> that's so true. Unless they're coming to, yeah, show us as hicks or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the, we get, we get to see these kids from the Chicago suburbs. And I mean, if that's, uh, you know, a very, also a very specific kind of subset, but Um, I also think about you know Home Alone I think is set around Mm -hmm. Chicago and he has like this whole this whole group of films are really and this film especially is celebrating the Chicago experience yeah you know because they're going out for the day and I think that's a beautiful aspect of the movie
1: yeah for sure we have to talk about Cameron though because like mm-hmm. at this point I'm like where is my Ferris Bueller's Day off sequel like 40 years later that gonna like oh. get to oh. after- it
0: has to happen now that you have uttered it <laughs> yeah nice.
1: that, I mean uh look I feel like Cameron real like is as unrelatable as I may find Ferris I'm like no I am Cameron though right (laughs) (laughs) like just that like witnessing a relationship between your parents feeling like there's no love there that your father is incredibly distant loves all these other things more than he loves you and the pain that that causes for him and he's like trying to wrestle through all and then just like kicks the shit out of that car
0: (laughs) Oh my god and then it's like I'm gonna take the heat I want the heat yeah. you know it's his moment of uh, it's his coming of age moment sort yeah. of and it's really another brilliant thing about this is it's Cameron's movie Cameron is the main character he actually is. because he has a journey he goes on the journey he has the change and Ferris is just sort of you know that his companion who's sort of facilitating this story for him yeah um oh my god Cameron I love I just it, it's also there's so many weird choices for instance how did they how did John Hughes decide to have that dark room where we first meet Cameron and you know there's t- we see the tissues and like the medicine bottles and then that this musical moment where he's like one Cameron was <laughs> like, I was where did that possibly come from it's
1: hilarious it's
0: so funny and unexpected um and i think the whole movie is full of these weirdly funny moments um which really like make it for me
1: it's it's very funny it's curious to me that like the thing that seems to have stuck out for everyone was or like that carried through was ben stein doing the bueller thing like there are so many other moments till I joined you and I'm just like, this one?
0: <laughs> I think it was, I mean, I think I read somewhere that, that a lot of that was ad-libbed and mm. the it was, the cast was losing their mind as they were filming uh. that. The cast and crew was just kind of losing it. And yeah, I mean, why has that become so iconic? Um, It has though, and I have to say, it has made me feel very old that I've tried to do that in a classroom (laughs) uh, (laughs) in in college to just a wall of blank stares. And I'm aghast, I'm aghast.
1: Listen, (laughs) listen, I, a few years ago, visited my then girlfriend, now ex, her classroom. uh, And she did something like, she put like a Jay-Z quote on the board and we're talking freshmen and they're like oh. yeah he's like old school and i was like excuse me oh, excuse what? me <laughs> like i just was like oh i'm in, i'm in that era of my life <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's aging is real
1: it's so real yeah real touching that reality it hurts
0: hurts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) no I'm fine with it I'm fine with it it really truly am I feel like I have to say that like I am I don't want to be that age right like I don't want to be Ferris Bueller's age anymore I'm not interested in that life
0: no I mean yeah and also just yeah the adults are so I mean, Ed Rooney is such an amazing character um, and so hellbent on hating Ferris and capturing him. I mean, that whole subplot is so satisfying um, yes. to watch. Yes. And just like he's so he's such a horrible adult. And he's so horrible. He's horrible. Like-
1: <laughs> and just like that, he gets outwitted by Ferris Bueller at every step of the <laughs> way. <laughs> and his ego keeps coming crashing yep. down again and again because he's like, he's not gonna get me. And it's like you you can't figure any of this out. Like like he's Ferris Bueller is standing there kissing, what's her name? I, I'm banking oh, on her. Sloane. Sloan. Sloan they, like he's supposed to be her father. They're making out. And he just <laughs> Rudy just stands there and is just like, oh, yeah. He's like, so that's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: that's the way it is in that family. It's like, dude, you're a buffoon. You're an <laughs> utter buffoon. I mean, another beautiful part of that whole subplot is how in the end. There's this reversal, and Ferris's sister mm-hmm. actually saves him yeah. when it comes to Rooney. Completely unexpected.
1: Unexpected. But
0: she has just had her own makeout sesh at the police station. So she is flying high. Um, none
1: other than Charlie Sheen. I know.
0: <laughs> you know, I love her character because she, for me, I, I always identified her as my... My own sister was very much like this character. Curly hair, too much eye makeup in the 80s, <laughs> furious constantly at, my, at our older brother who got away with everything and mm-hmm. was allowed to do everything, right? And she's just pure teenage rage and angst. Yes. I also, I mean, I love that scene where she freaks out and comes downstairs... Uh, and Ed Rooney is in the kitchen, and she goes, aha, and he jumps out, a-ha! and she s- does this maniacal scream, and um like, judo kicks him a couple times, and then runs up I mean, that whole sequence, I think, is hilarious.
1: Yeah. Her 911 um, caller, she's like, I'm very cute, I'm very vulnerable, and I'm very protective of my body. <laughs>
0: one of the best 911 calls of all time <laughs> yeah and then she gets of course she gets um fingered for making a phony phone call and mm-hmm. has to go to the police but, you know it's totally unfair yeah um but then she meets her uh kind of she meets her guru who is charlie sheen at the police station guru i love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Look, this this is not a phony phone call. There is an intruder, male, Caucasian, possibly armed, certainly weird, in my kitchen. Yeah, you might, my, my name's Bueller. Look, it's real nice that you hope my brother's feeling better, but I'm in danger, okay? I am very cute, I am very alone, and I'm very protective of my body. I do not want it violated or killed, all right? I need help! Speaking of English?
1: It's great. Yeah, no, I, I really like that character because I feel like it's it, I mean, it's very it would be very easy to just make her into just like this what she sort of like is in the beginning, this like this sort of shrew of a, of a sister. That's just like, like, I I just hate my brother, but she gets to develop. She gets to be, she gets to like experience a kiss in the the priest, like a police station, (laughs) like, and be giddy. And then, and then like, you know, realize she is on her brother's side. Like they are a team. They can work together. Like all of the stuff. She, she gets to be maybe not, fully fleshed out and complex, but she gets to be somewhat of a character as opposed to just a foil to Ferris.
0: That's a really good point. She also has a journey um, in the movie. I, you know, she and Cameron, and it's almost like Ferris is the most static character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nothing really changes for him or Sloan, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jeannie and uh, Cameron go, go on and go on. and And Ed Rooney- is that a Rooney change? I don't think I don't think he learns a lesson. Uh, he, a didn't lesson. Learn <laughs> <laughs> he didn't
1: learn anything. Learn anything. Ferris is gonna do this another time, and he's gonna fall for it. Or he's yeah before school's out. Same way do it again.
0: Now, now, did you watch all the way through?
1: I did. I did, which was like, oh, this is where Marvel got its whole shtick from.
0: <laughs> right. I feel like this was. I mean. This was one of the, one of those movies that immediately breaks the fourth wall, Mm -hmm. um, which felt, I loved that, you know, when I watched it as a kid and and even as an adult, it feels less fresh because, you know, so many people have done it, but I loved that thing at the end after the credits, um, especially when I was little, I'm like, oh, this is so great. Ferris comes back and he speaks directly to us and Yeah. yeah.
1: And also just the further humiliation of Rooney as we get to the lead up oh, to so
0: good. it's excruciating they just let it slowly play out kind of in real time him getting on the bus and <laughs> the shoe the shoe the mud yeah so great. <laughs>
1: Uh, Rachel, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from Ferris Bueller's Day
0: Off? Well, you know, what to choose, what to choose. I would say my favorite sequence um, has to be the museum Mm. uh, where we get this quiet moment it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in the movie, you know, what is it doing to forward the plot? Yeah, not really anything. It's just, I guess it is, part, it is forwarding Cameron's plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to the Art Institute in Chicago. There's no dialogue. There's this beautiful music that's sort of dreamy. I love the image of Ferris and Sloan. They sneak away for their little smoochy time, mm-hmm. but it's, in front of this beautiful stained glass installation, um, looks kind of like church. Mm. Uh, And so we have them sort of, you know, kissing in this very um, innocent sort of, you know, image, Mm. innocent and sort of sacred. Meanwhile, Cam is out having his moment with this painting and um, the zooming in on this child Mm. Until we get down to the pixels. Um, And I think it's, I I just don't experience, I haven't really experienced of late a movie, especially a teen comedy Mm. movie, giving time and space for just a quiet, contemplative, moment yeah where the carrot you know cam's by himself and um yeah it's sort of like the it it, it's sort of analogous for the entire movie it's sort of this day that's like the calm before the storm of adulthood Mm -hmm. and then that sequence is sort of the the calm before the storm of the end of the day Mm. um yeah so yeah, I just, I think it's it's so beautiful. And I did, I did read somewhere that um, I, one cut of the film, that whole sequence was after the parade and it had different kind of guitar music over it and um, screening audiences hated it. They didn't get uh-huh. it. Um, so then they went back and they put it, they're like, obviously the parade has to be the climax, right, of, of mm-hmm. their day. So they moved it before the parade and got this beautiful, new, beautiful music. Mm-hmm. And audiences were like, oh yes, we get it. This is, this is where it goes.
1: Oh, I love that. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much for having me, super fun.
1: Thanks for listening to Open Form, a podcast from Lit Hub Radio by eliza smith and justin alvarez and hosted by me michael denzel smith feel free to like comment subscribe to open form wherever you get your podcasts and or sign up for the lit hub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes if you're enjoying what you hear share open form with a friend or on social media next week the obstacles facing an interracial romance in mississippi